Hello and welcome to Uncommon Law, my podcast about true stories from my life experience of over 50 years as a lawyer and trial judge. This is a look at the law from the inside out, stuff they don't teach in law school. This is Judge Rudy Greco, retired justice of the New York State Supreme Court. In the United States, virtually every criminal defendant uh, has a right to a trial by a jury of his peers or her peers. And um, it rarely happens because the justice system is so slow and ponderous and uh, uh, maybe one, three or four percent of all the uh, criminals charged ever get to a jury trial. But justice is very, very slow, but not this case. In this case, justice and, and jury trial were very swift, and that's what this is all about. When I first started as a, as a defense attorney, as a young lawyer, I signed up to be an 18B counsel. 18B refers to New York State County Law Section 18B, which basically was the means by which private counsel could volunteer to do public defender work at a reduced rate. And uh, I didn't really need the reduced rate, although the money didn't hurt. I was a beginning lawyer. Uh, it was more so for the experience. And uh, I had some good experiences. I didn't stay long at it because I didn't like being uh, assigned counsel with no choice in picking my clients. But in any event, one of the earliest cases I got, I got a phone call from the administrator of the 18B program and said, uh, you should go right across the street and... Uh, put in a notice of appearance uh, registering as the attorney for this uh, young guy who's arrested on burglary charges, felony burglary charges, and uh, he's going to be arraigned this afternoon if you can get over there and represent him at the arraignment where they present the charges uh, formally against him in the courtroom. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll take the assignment. I was in Kew Gardens, and the uh, criminal court was literally across Queens Boulevard, just across the street from my office. So I hurried across the street and uh, went to the arraignment part, which is very, very busy. It's, it's, it's like Times Square there. New York courts are all loaded up all the time with lots of, uh, lots of action. And there were two assistant district attorneys in the, uh, in the part representing uh, the prosecution. I approached the one who wasn't talking, and I told him I'm here. I'm going to represent Jaime, uh, such and such. And um, here's my notice of appearance, and I, I filed it with the clerk so he knew I was officially representing the guy. He said, sure. He said, I said, what have you got on this? And he pulled the guy's file, Jaime's file, and he came out with a complaint and Jaime's yellow sheet, uh, which was uh, what we call in, in New York colloquialism, it, it was uh, a yellow sheet because it's printed on yellow paper. It's his arrest record. And uh, the uh, complaint basically was summarized in, in very terse uh, terms because everybody's in a hurry in the arraignment part. There's so much uh, pressure because of the volume of work. And um, the uh, assistant district attorney explained, he said, look, he said, you guys being charged with uh, felony burglary. Uh, he says he broke into uh, uh, the window of a storefront and uh, was passing out the contents of the window when he was arrested and uh, to his misfortune, he says, this is two, three o'clock in the morning. He says, we had two undercover cops in, a, in, in an unmarked car on a drug surveillance detail, had nothing to do with these two guys. And they were 15 feet away from these two characters breaking the window of, it was a Woolworths five and 10. He says, and they couldn't believe their eyes. These guys, the, 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 he says, the, the perpetrators uh, didn't, 
see the cops. And the cops couldn't believe that they couldn't see him because they were right nearby. And they saw this whole thing unfold before their, their very eyes. And they made a felony arrest. It was probably the, the, the easiest collar they ever made in their lives. They walked 15 feet with their guns drawn and they arrested these two mopes <laughs> and took them away. He said, now, he said, uh, the guy's got a long sheet and that long sheet, mostly the small petty stuff. He says, but he has two felony convictions. So two prior felony convictions, he said, if he gets convicted a third time, he's, he's now a multiple felony offender, which means the minimum jail time he can get, and it's a minimum, is 15 years because he's a, he's a three-time loser. He said, I can't believe these guys were, you know, were doing this for, you know, what they were doing. And I, and, and I thought to myself, well, the biggest crime they committed, and I think the, the DA agreed with me because I made this remark. I said, the biggest crime they committed was violating the old uh, law of the street. Is if you're going to steal, steal big. These guys were passing uh, stuff from a, a five and ten window. It turns out what they were passing out were uh, six packs of jockey underwear. It was unbelievable. That they would, they would commit a felony for, for six packs of jockey underwear. How many of them can you carry, and, and how much are they worth? So anyway, I, I knew this was not boding well for for the for the, the uh, intelligence of my uh, of my future client here. So the DA said, "Look," uh, he said, uh, "Let's face it; these guys are, are not harmful guys. They're not violent. They didn't do anything. They probably look at the record of these guys, and the record was was extensive." He said. They, they're not a danger to anybody in the public, and, and he said, they're probably their own worst enemies. He said, I'll give you a good deal, and uh, the deal would be one, up to one year in jail. We'll charge them with a misdemeanor. They'll plead to a misdemeanor, which means that they can get up to one year in jail, probably serve about nine months of that year. He said, and I think that's a pretty good deal. And the reason why he offered that deal was 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 apparent to myself and him. We both knew the, the same thing as everybody does in the criminal courts. Uh, the United States criminal courts are overcrowded uh, with cases, and the jails are overcrowded with people, many of whom really don't belong in jail. They've done stupid things, uh, drug stuff, uh, minor drug stuff, and, and silly stuff, uh, and they really don't belong in jail. They didn't have bail or anything else. And um, so the jails are, are very, very crowded. Uh, it's very expensive to maintain a prisoner in jail for the taxpayers. It's very, very expensive. And um, so the, the prosecutors all across the country, New York was no different, would tend to go easier and, and offer a good deal to lesser criminals just to get them out of the system so they wouldn't, and, and so they leave room for the prosecutors to uh, concentrate on the, the, the dangerous people, the violent people, and who are actually a real threat to society. So I knew the deal was very, very good. I mean, I can add uh, and subtract the difference between 15 and 1, and uh, I knew it was good. And uh, and as the DA said, uh, this was right before the eyes of the cops. He said, this case is, is, is all locked up. There's no problem here. He said, this, you know, these guys are going to get convicted if they go to trial. And I knew he was right. So the next thing I had to do is, is, is to go in and talk to uh, Jaime. And I got out of there quickly before the DA changed his mind because I thought the deal was pretty good. So I go into the holding pen. And the holding pens uh, behind every uh, criminal courtroom is a holding pen where defendants that have been arrested and are incarcerated and haven't made bail or about to uh, face a judge to be arraigned or anything like that, they're held. 
so that they're very handy and they can pr be produced in in, in uh, conveyor belt fashion, you know, and then taken into uh, the part of the court, which is uh, right through a doorway, and they're held in the in the jail cell. And I go back there, and there's a, typically there's about 20 of them in there, awaiting, and you know, all sullen, hanging around, a real, you know, motley crew. And uh, I call out, who's Jaime? Jaime, get up here. Ah, uh, that's me. And up comes this four foot eleven little guy with an attitude. He's going to show off to, I guess he had to be, uh, you know, a tough guy, Hollywood gangster attitude. I guess, you know, four foot eleven in the jail, you better be tough, you know, because you'll be a victim. And he comes up, he goes, Are you my lawyer? Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm the tooth fairy. I came to give you the 50 cents I owe you, you know? I said, I, I want to disarm this jerk right away, you know? And, and, and so that was my round. Everybody starts laughing at Jaime. But I smiled to let him off the hook, you know? His, his macho was at stake here. And he, very cagey, he picked up. He smiled too, and he laughed. So we all laughed, and we said, okay, let's, let's get down to business. And, and this way, it wasn't uh, an insult to him. But he got the message that he wasn't going to fool around with me and I wasn't going to take nonsense, you know, and, and uh, you do that right away. And he gives me this tough guy. He still continues, but in a nicer tone of voice. He says, I ain't, I, I ain't taking any pleas. I, ain't, I didn't do nothing. I'm innocent. These white, guy, these white guys, these cops, these white boys, they, they flaked me. You know, they set me up because I was minding my own business. And, and I'm Puerto Rican, and they was picking on me. And I'm there minding my own business. I said, oh, man. So I, I knew uh, I, I, could, I had to challenge him right away. And uh, I said, don't be stupid, sucker. And I called him out in front of all other guys that, you know, his peers there that are standing around. And... I'm a street guy, and where I come from, if, if a guy throws his best at you, the best thing you can do is come right back with your best, and hopefully you can outwill him. And they call this in, in, in street parlance and in boxing. The Latin fans notice they, they call this process uh, taking the other guy's heart. You know, it Basically, it's outwilling him. And um, I, I knew that's what I had to do to, to save this guy from himself because he's an idiot. So I said, okay. I said, uh, let, let's talk. I said... You, you don't want to take a plea. I said, they're offering you up to one year in jail. You, you cop to a misdemeanor, an A misdemeanor, and you're going to be up to one year in jail. You probably do nine months. You're, you're a multiple felony offender, and, uh, and you're going to face, if you're convicted, 15 years minimum, 15 years. I said, I don't know if you can do the math. I could do the math. You'd be stupid to turn this down because... The cops were witnesses here, and they saw you do this. They had undercovers there on, on another drug deal that they were watching, and, and you and your partner here, you know, just walked in and, and, and did what you had to do. You broke the window uh, of this uh, 5 and 10, and they caught you in the window handing, handing out three, you know, six packs of underwear. I said, I tell you, no, no, I ain't copping. I was flaked at this, that, and the other thing. I says, no, no, I'll I tell you what we do. How about this? Okay, you want to go to trial, you want to do this, okay? And, and to me, that's, that's idiotic. I said, but I'll tell you what. How about, let's have a trial right here in the pen, okay? I'll be the prosecutor, I'll read the charges, and I'll testify on behalf of the cops, the two white boy cops, okay? And I'll do the testimony, and then you can give us your testimony and as to what happened and why you think you're innocent, and... We'll let the we'll let the jurors decide what's going on. 
oh, got a big reception from all the boys in the band there. Everybody, oh, they were loving this. They had nothing to do. It's 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 the dullest thing in the world, standing around or sitting around in a in a holding pen. And here they were going to have a trial. You know, this was theater and drama. So these guys were enjoying themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. You know. So Jaime now he's 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 trapped by public opinion in the pens there, and he says, all right, all right, go ahead. You know. So. First thing I do is I take out the complaint and I read the complaint and said uh, the the two defendants were, were observed breaking the window of Woolworths 5 and 10 at 61st Street and Woodside and Roosevelt Avenue at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. in the morning and uh, the one uh, defendant, Jaime, uh, such and such, was uh, in the process of passing th- uh, six packs of, of jockey underwear out to his accomplice when uh, all witnessed by the cops who were on the surveillance uh, who then just stepped forward and, and uh, apprehended uh, these two people in the act. And then I did the testimony of the cops and I basically, and I made the cops, I said, and by the way, for a little uh, dramatic effect, I says, you know, these guys are going to look like altar boys. I don't know what they look like. They could be surly guys for all I knew. They were undercover cops. But I dressed them up like, you know, in, in the imagination of uh, of the, the jurors, the so-called jurors, as, uh, you know, clean-cut white boys with with uh, suits and ties and, 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 and short haircuts and, and looking scrubbed clean and everything else. And basically altar boys. And I gave the, I reiterated in brief the cop's testimony. And I said, okay, so now... Uh, you're the defendant, Jaime. You tell us your story. He goes, oh, I was walking down the street, minding my business with my friend, and, and all of a sudden, for, for no reason whatsoever, no reason at all, these two guys, you know, come and busted us for for a felony burglary, and I didn't do nothing. And I was minding my own business. I said, really? And the jury started laughing. I said, okay, hold hold, hold it, fellas. Hang it. Let's, let's keep it down. Let's not get carried away. Jaime, that's your testimony? Yeah, that's it. I got flaked. I didn't do nothing. I'm innocent. I ain't taking no pleas. I said, all right. I'll tell you what. I said, now it's time for cross-examination, okay? We're going to cross-examine you like the DA is going to do. I said, so I'm going to ask you questions and you give your answers, all right? Yeah, I know. I know what to do, man. I've been in a lot of courtrooms. I said, good. All right, Jaime, what time of the day were you arrested? He goes, "Uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay question. Where do you live? He goes, I live in Spanish Harlem. I says, okay. Uptown, right? Yeah. I said, and where were you arrested? Uh, In Queens. I said, were you arrested at 61st Street and Roosevelt Avenue? I don't know if that's what the complaint says. I guess so. Yeah, in Queens. I said, what time of the day was it? He said, about three o'clock in the morning. I said, what were you doing in Queens at three o'clock in the morning at 61st Street and Roosevelt Avenue? He says, I was on my way to see my old lady, my ex-wife. I says, you're going to see your old lady ex-wife at 3 o'clock in the morning with your friend, right? Yeah, right. I said, and where does she live? She live in Corona. I says, where in Corona? He goes, 108th Street. I says, 108th Street Station is seven stops away from 61st Street Station where you get off. How do you explain that? Oh, that's easy. He says, I could explain that. I can't read, man. Everybody knows I just I didn't know how to read and, and I came off at the wrong station. I got off at the wrong station. Now the whole audience and the jurors are breaking into, you know, loud and 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 unmistakable laughter. They can't they can't believe there is this idiot is testifying in this way, you know. I said, okay. Gentlemen of the jury, you've heard all the evidence now in this case, and the time has come for you to render your verdict. Please indicate your verdict by thumbs up for innocent and an acquittal or thumbs down for conviction. 
what will the verdict be? And it was unanimous. I looked back. I said, Jaime, turn around. It was instantaneous. It didn't take a split second. Everybody, there were 19 guys with their thumbs down. I says, Jaime, turn around and look at the verdict. And he looks at the verdict, turns around immediately. He goes, okay, man, I'll cop. I'll take the year. He goes, but he wanted to save face, of course. But I ain't taking any more than a year. You understand? I'm going to come back with something more than a year. I said, no, 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 Jaime. It's going to be a year. So I got out and... Uh, I informed the district attorney, we have an agreement here. I said, this case is going to go away. He did a good job. He says, all right, I think that was the wise thing. I says, absolutely, I agree. And, and um, so, you know, justice is where you find it, you know. And, and usually there's, a, there's an old saying in criminal court, you're looking for justice, you can find it under J in the dictionary, you know. But in this case, uh, the justice was found, and it wasn't uh, long in coming, and it wasn't found in the courtroom, but it was found back in the pens uh, behind the courtroom. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Uncommon Law, Lessons They Don't Teach in Law School. I'm Judge Rudy Greco. Court is adjourned.